0: You're listening to Under a Pile of Books. In this episode, I sit down with Josh Erickson, author of the Ethereal Earth series, to talk about some of his inspiration for being a writer, how he crafts his stories and characters, and which fantasy character he'd want to have dinner with. Here's the interview. Hi, everyone. I'm here with Josh Erickson, author of the Ethereal Earth series, which begins with Hero Forged, and continues in uh, his second book, Fate Lashed. Uh, so welcome, Josh.
1: Hey, thank you, Calvin.
0: I appreciate you taking the time to uh, come on with me.
1: And thank you for having me, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. No, thanks, I am, I
0: am too. So uh, I wanna jump in here with kind of a, a question I ask to a lot of authors because it's always, uh, the answer is always interesting to me. And that is, uh, what inspired you to become an author?
1: yeah i I used to always answer this with just a boring you know kind of little author origin story about how <laughs> I've always loved to write you know um but actually it's it's when I put all the pieces together it's a little more interesting than that um, i I was working at a job in a hotel uh, where I was working a ton of hours and I was hardly ever home and about ten years ago when my son was born I, kind of said to myself, all right, well, this is your opportunity. If, if you're going to see him grow up, then you need to get serious about one of the dozens of, of little, you know, side ventures that I had tried throughout my life up to that point. Um, so I picked writing as kind of my escape tunnel. Um, Mm -hmm. so, so for the next eight years, I taught myself how to not be terrible at writing. Um, you know, I, (laughs) I did a ton of reading and, um, I actually wrote a a three hundred thousand word epic fantasy as a practice book, um, and thousand words is practice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was my that, that was my uh, that was my warm up, and uh, it, that'll never see the light of day until I do some heavy revision. By the time I was done with that thing, I was a totally different author. Um, but then, about uh, two years ago, I got finished with Hero Forged or the book that would be hero forged. And, um, I realized that I was, I was kind of just waiting for a moment, you know, just waiting for any kind of sign to tell me that it was, it was cool to, to try this. And all of a sudden a bunch of stuff in my life changed. Um, my wife had been staying home with our kids up to that point. And I, we had the one income with me at the hotel and my hours had just increased and, um, the job was getting worse. I could feel myself kind of you know, fading away with it. And um, then the company I worked for sold the hotel. And um, the new company came in and, and really didn't, really made it pretty clear that they were going to expect more hours and more work. And uh, for me to kind of cut hours from people that I'd grown to really become friends with working there. Mm. And within the same month, my wife got a job that was going to take care of our like basically replace my income and take care of our health insurance and everything all in one swoop. And so I was able to just say, you know what? Never mind. And <laughs> my wife was really supportive, just amazing about it. And she said, just go for it. Just make this dream happen. This is your chance. And so that's that's when I published uh, Hero Ford shortly thereafter immediately got into SBFBO and stuff just kind of miraculously took off from there. So I've been doing this for the last year. Wow. That's, that's
0: awesome. So you, you really like, this is a fairly recent in terms of, of you really being able just to like jump in with both feet um, just in the past uh, couple years then.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, um, hero forge was my first book that I, really consider a finished book you know Mm -hmm. um and had i known how unlikely my scenario is going in i was i was just blissfully ignorant uh (laughs) when i when i published it just thinking oh well if i make x number of dollars a month i'll be fine and that's just crazy talk like that never happens Mm -hmm. but then the audiobook just out of nowhere, took off and enabled it to work. So yeah, for the last year, it's just been I've been writing full time. That's that's amazing and uh, kind kind of a really cool
0: uh, a really cool story there, you know. And I know, um, you know, I I came across um, Hero Forge because of um, Spiffbo. Yeah, and uh, you know. I think I might've said this in, in my review for hero forged or whatever, but I generally speaking, uh, did not read urban fantasy, uh, rightly or wrongly. My perception of urban fantasy was kind of isolated to paranormal romance and kind of, right. You know, vampires falling in love with werewolves or yeah. whatever. I, I don't know. Um, but it just yeah. wasn't, it just wasn't for me. And I read hero forged and, uh, loved it. And, you Know it, it actually kind of opened up to me the whole um, sort of urban fantasy subgenre or, or whatever you want to call it. So, um, so yeah, so it, very cool, and I'm, I'm super excited that you've been, um, it's that, that Hero Forged and, and of course, Fate Lashed as well as have been really well received by the, you know, the broader community.
1: Um, yeah, I, I've been very lucky some some very nice people have been very nice to me as far as <laughs> as far as that goes
0: yeah well and you you mentioned uh your your audiobooks uh which you know i know for for authors can become uh ju- just kind of a, a huge thing that's almost uh almost kind of separate from the the novel itself in in terms of sometimes there's a whole different audience right that that does audiobooks versus maybe yeah. reading a, a traditional novel or whatever, but you uh, actually narrate your own audiobooks, and uh, you know that that's something that if you go out and like you look on the uh, websites for like how do I self-publish a novel, like what do I do, that's like something that like they all say. Don't do that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah but, you, but you've sure. done that, and you've been you've been pretty successful with it. So, how'd you get into that? And you know, is it something you enjoy now, or or like how would you just kind of how would you describe that?
1: Yeah, so that's another. I talked about um, all the side ventures that I had tried up to you know er, early on in my life, and and my first um, my first thing that I was going to do. Uh, you know in my freshman year of college coming out of high school was music theater so i've i've always been a singer my whole life um and so i took a bunch of voice lessons and i've i've had a lot of um theatrical training and that had kind of been sitting on the shelf i i do that locally and you know for fun Mm -hmm. um but i i hadn't really done anything with it professionally and i had been focusing on my writing but the way i write i say everything out loud from the first draft, I'm I'm already working on voices, um, and that's just how I how I write it, how I write all my dialogue, especially. Um, and so I got to the point of publishing the book and looking at audiobook. I knew I knew audiobooks were a really, you know, booming part of the industry, mm-hmm. and so I said, well, I, I want to get that out quick, um, especially with um, with SPFBO the the contest. I saw immediately that of the 300 entrants, there were only 30 that had an audiobook out. So I knew I needed a jump on that.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: And so I said, you know, I have all this training that's sort of related. And why don't I just give it a shot? It, it could only totally ruin my career, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> so I, I mentioned this to my friends and my wife and again, just another example of how supportive she was and everybody has been with me. Um, they all pooled together and bought me all my initial equipment that I needed to get started with it. And so I was really kind of in it then where if I didn't try it, at least all this stuff was going to go to waste. Right. Right. All the, especially all this faith in me was going to go to waste. Um, so I spent the next couple months learning how to do all of that nonsense. And again, had I known how unlikely success was uh, going in, I I probably would have gone about it a much different way. But it was another one of those things. With, with Hero Forged, I've always kind of been chasing Neil Gaiman a little bit. Okay, um, yeah. It's it, it, I originally wrote it as an American Gods kind of tribute. Um, and then I went back through and went, wow, this needs... 100% more jokes in it you know <laughs> and and so Neil Gaiman does all his own narration and so I said well you know what if I'm gonna do it let's do it all the way so I tried it and I uploaded it and within a few months it had a thousand you know reviews and I'd sold 4,000 copies wow if if you ask me how I did it I I could not explain it to you but um just kind of happened and I'm really thankful.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's awesome. Right. At, at, at some level uh, it's, you know, I think, I think your, your uh, humility does, does you credit there? Um, it's definitely, I mean, obviously it's a good book. Uh, you've written uh, something that is, uh, that is gripping and entertaining and it's got, you know, comedy, but it's all, it's not a comedy. Right. And it's, it's, you know, it's, it's really interesting. And of course, you know, talent doesn't always equal success.
1: Sure. Um, Yeah.
0: But, but in your case, you know, certainly I think that, um, you, you know, your, your talent and your care for this story and, and the characters that you're crafting obviously, uh, comes through very, very clearly, uh, in the writing. And, and so, um, you know, folks, if you have not, if you've not checked out, uh, Hero Forge yet, you absolutely need to, especially if you're a fan of urban fantasy. But even if you're not, uh, because I was not, uh, going into it and, you know, I was kind of like, oh man, I don't know. Um, but it's, it's great. Um, it's, it's really awesome. So one of the things, uh, Josh, that I, I really enjoyed, um, about both Hero Forged and Faith Lashed and, and maybe even more in the second book, but you do, um, uh, really a fabulous job of making the, the main character, Gabe, seem very real and authentic, uh, especially given, right, all the crazy stuff that he encounters uh, in uh, the books. So what do you think is the most important thing in terms of kind of writing authentic characters, characters that, that feel real? And in your opinion, what's the, the most important
1: thing for that? You know, for me, I, I wish there was like a, a trick to <sighs> to make it happen. But for me, since I am doing all the voices, too, from day one, um, the characters really kind of have, f- for better or worse, become real to me. Um, mm-hmm. So basically what I'm doing uh, when I'm writing the book is I'm I'm making an abridged version of you know, a 150,000 word abridged version of the 500,000 words of interaction that are happening in my head. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of condensing everything down, but um, I may have, you know, dozens of extra scenes with the main characters that are just tiny little interactions. And so they've become very real to me. Um, so really I can just kind of plug scenarios into these characters and they kind of come out and just, say the stuff that they they would if they actually existed in real life so it's kind of I kind of think of it as a meta version of the the main story arc of the book you know the main story arc is um is like legends and myths and all these Mm -hmm. fictions are Mm -hmm. coming to life uh and for me when I write it that's really exactly what's happening it's just minus the magic you know they, they really are kind of coming to life and just kind of speaking through the pages for me. So it's wow, that's
0: that's an interesting way to kind of conceive of that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, I wish it was a trick that I could sell or something, but (laughs) (laughs) it's just, it's just my crazy brain.
0: Yeah. But, but, you know, I think at some level, um, you know, I think authors generally, right. uh, You guys you each have sort of your own process um, all right so another question I, I kind of had that that's really a little bit about uh, process though in this case not characters but uh, for your setting right in your your books are set in in our world right but there's there's magic and as you just alluded to they're kind of these um, legends and and superstitions that are that are coming to life or or that that Gabe is realizing are are real or whatever. And you do really an incredible amount of world building with the various umbra, the s- secret organizations, all the rest, right? in your world, even though it's our world, right? there's there's all this world building that you do. What does your process look like for that?
1: yeah, well, i I appreciate you saying so. Um, basically I, I, I wanted to build out these, um, these philosophies, you know, uh, kind of get really deep into, um, the, the idea that what we believe in matters more than just, uh, in our own headcanon, you know, um that what we believe in can actually shape the world. And there are a lot of other authors that do that. You know, uh, Stephen King does that with his dark tower series and mm-hmm, Neil Gaiman mm-hmm. with American gods, you know um, but I really liked that idea uh, while at the same time having this kind of on the surface, this light uh, funny adventure story that, you know, so you could take it either way. Um, but I, I, I originally started with the idea that all these legends were becoming real, um, but they didn't have a much better grasp on what was going on than any of the rest of us do. Um, Mm. And and so again, they, uh, they kind of react and evolve um, in their own little uh, islands of influence within the story. Um, And I just kind of kept layering it on and and uh, putting things in where it would logically exist you know so there there would be kind of a, a magical police force in the knights of solomon and the templars um mm-hmm. and then you know the the people who um take advantage of of the business aspect of it and in the hags and things like that and information brokers and um and the more i layered on the more opportunities uh showed up to add in uh extra characters and, and, and extra people. And so it was just, it was just a fun mental Lego set uh, that I got to put together um, on top of our world. So it, it does help to a certain extent with urban fantasy that you have kind of a ready-made template to build Mm -hmm, on. mm -hmm. So, so that a little bit is cheating in this, in this genre. Um, (laughs) But like I said, I did come from um, writing that 300,000 word epic fantasy, and that's kind of where my heart always was in epic fantasy okay yeah and so I, I brought that over into urban fantasy that kind of sensibility of wanting to build out more world than just what what was readily available
0: yeah well uh, you know i like i said i think i think it's excellently done um I appreciate that. in that uh, in your book so uh, so yeah uh all right so totally different different sort of question here um if you had to pick one character from fantasy literature to have dinner with, who would it be, and why?
1: You know, this one, I'm really tempted to give a cheat answer um, <laughs> and and say something like Mark Twain because he's, he's in enough stories that he's basically become a, a you know fiction. There
0: you go, right, right, yeah, to
1: himself, you know. Um, but I think I would probably actually choose Gandalf. Um, Mm. Tolkien was my, uh, kind of defining moment. I, I read Lord of the Rings, um, in my freshman year of college during the same year, the movie was coming out. And so I was experiencing all this at the same time.
0: Wow, man. The hype
1: that was, it was, that was the year. And so, uh, for me, Gandalf is kind of the perfect mix of he's this, you know, Super powerful demigod, uh, but he's also really human and really vulnerable. Um, And Tolkien did such a great job with him. And then I also I have a I have a soft spot for um, soft magic systems. I I, I like a good Mm -hmm. I like a good fluid magic system. And Gandalf is the softest of the soft magicians. You know, it's he (laughs) he has all this power and you never really see anything. Uh, So I, I think that would probably be my my choice. That would be a good, good time.
0: Oh, man, Gandalf would be, uh, he, he would be uh, an incredible one. You know, I, um, I, I'm i almost exactly the opposite in terms of I love hard magic systems. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But man, Gandalf, you know, there, there's something, Tolkien somehow manages, right, to do this thing where he crafts, you know, he's, he's writing, and, and I think this is intentional on his part, right? He's writing more than a story, more than a novel. He's really crafting a mythology if you will yeah, you know yeah. uh for for great britain and you know he's uh as a result you know i think uh, i think his his characters are you know archetypal in in this way like it's it's no mm-hmm. wonder the characters that tolkien crafted have become tropes in fantasy because right in in some sense that's exactly what he was trying to do.
1: Exactly. Uh, so, yeah, I I I love that and that uh kind of sensibility shows up in in my books too uh, in in certain aspects uh because you're exactly right. It's he was developing these um you know new uh heroes that hadn't necessarily existed in the same way before and he did it so well that it's Everything that's followed has been influenced by it, so...
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's... Really, it's it's impossible to conceive of, you know, the fantasy genre today without Tolkien. I mean, there there was I... certainly fantasy before Tolkien, right? Oh, and sure. No, no doubt, absolutely. Sure. But after Tolkien, everything from, you know, Dungeons & Dragons source yes. books to... Yeah you know, whatever popular author, Brandon Sanderson or, you know, Brent Weeks or whoever uh, is writing today, a- everyone, right, has gone through uh, Tolkien and developed on, you know, really the archetypes that that in some ways he founded. And and I realize he didn't write that he was himself playing on her, kind of heroic archetypes or whatever. Oh, but, sure. Uh, but still, yeah, it, it's really, really cool stuff. And to me, it's, it's one of the reasons that Tolkien is just he's one of the greats right and and he, yeah everyone else sort of stands on his shoulders to some extent
1: it's um, it, it's true yeah it's it's totally true it took it took a scholar of of his level to be able to take all those old um all those old legends and tropes and bring them together into a story that is entertaining you know like you could read the epic of gilgamesh and it's it's fine but it's not <laughs> lord of the rings right yep
0: yep yep I, well, and, and to me, one of the things that'll be interesting is, is, you know, how, uh, how kind of the next generation of readers and writers, um, maybe be, because I think, I think we're kind of getting to a point where, uh, there, there are now plenty of writers in the fantasy genre, uh, and certainly plenty of readers who are not actually fans of Tolkien, uh, and perhaps have not even read Tolkien, where that probably wouldn't have been the case maybe 20 years ago. Right. Uh, and so it, it'll be kind of interesting to see how things uh, develop over the next 20 years or whatever because there there is this you know I've I've talked to plenty of folks who are like oh you know I don't know I just don't like the the Lord of the Rings doesn't do it for me and for me I'm like oh man but yeah uh, yeah you know, but but I get that you know it is crafted quite differently from Novels today, uh, particularly when it comes to to characters and and how much we understand and can relate to the characters. So, uh, yeah, it, it, fantasy uh, fantasy as a sort of literature as a genre of literature is really uh, I think it's in a great place and a really interesting place right now. So.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I think there's a good a good variety across the board. You can find plenty of things that have the Tolkien-esque depth. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But if, if that's not your style, if you prefer a faster draw, um, there's so much great stuff that still does it well. So I, I agree. We're kind of in a golden age.
0: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I'll say I've, I've said it, I think, on the podcast before, and I'll, I'll say it again. I, I think part of the reason for that is uh, we have some phenomenal – uh, self-published authors such as yourself and, and many others who are putting out uh, books and doing it in, in a way that uh, maintains a much closer connection to fans than, than maybe traditional publishing and, and you know all of that. And it's it's really cool uh, because I think this kind of golden age of fantasy literature is partially fueled, right, by by different ways of getting the the, the product, if you will, to, you know, the the, the patron. Or the consumer, however you want to look at it.
1: Oh yeah, you're you're absolutely right. The the ability to self-publish um, allows you know pe- people like me and and a ton of other people who are putting out awesome stuff to sell fewer books but still be able to make a, you know a living wage. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so that in that sense, places like Amazon, you know, have kind of democratized the system. Um, and, and made it so we can have much smaller fan bases and still be able to put these things out. Um, and and you know, nothing, nothing against traditional publishers, They, they have a finite number of slots to fill. And so they, they have to go based on the market, but self publishers have a lot more flexibility to, to find, you know, niches and, and, um, find pockets of unfulfilled, you know, needs uh, and cater to those directly to the people. So uh, I I love it.
0: Yeah, no, I know. I think that's exactly it. There's some sense in which, um, you know, a self-published author obviously takes on all the risk themselves, but they're then able to take the risk of maybe doing something different uh, with their novel, whether that be Um, A way that they're playing with perspective or just the the tone of the story or whatever that they get to experiment and do uh, follow their their creative vision in a way that um, it might be difficult for uh, a traditional publisher that does have a bottom line to worry about uh, to 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 be able to justify. Right. Uh, So, uh, you know, I think and yet, you know, you've got, um, you know, like Orbit uh, has snapped up a lot of uh, self-published authors and, uh, signed them to, to traditional publishing contracts. And so, you know, it's, it's just, it's a great place. It's a great time to be, um, a reader and lover of, of fantasy because there's a lot of options out there and, and, uh, so many of them are just amazing quality and telling amazing stories. So.
1: Yeah, I, I agree.
0: Um, all right. Well, I, I, really appreciate you, uh, taking some, some time with me here and, um, where can, can folks find you and your books online?
1: Uh, yeah, well, my website is josherikson.com, Um, and it's, uh, J O S H E R I K S O N. Um, there's a temptation to put a C in there, but, but <laughs> th- there isn't one. Um, or, uh, I'm, I'm on Facebook. It's, um, the ethereal earth series. Um, and, uh, also Twitter it's Josh underscore Erickson on Twitter. Um, otherwise, you know, on, on Amazon, I'm, uh, working on linking my blog up to that too. So any way you follow me, I'll, I'll figure out how to find you.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks so much for being here, Josh.
1: Thank you very much, Calvin. It was a real pleasure.